We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Danny Hewson and joining me as ever is Laura Souter. And Laura, we're going to be talking about something which you are passionate about. Yes, this week we're talking about childcare costs, something that I have very real and first-hand experience of at the moment. So my daughter is in nursery five days a week and we pay £1,300 a month for that. Now, we use some of the government support on offer that we're going to talk about later to reduce that cost, but it still represents a massive outgoing for us. Now, obviously, I live in London. It's an expensive area. I knew that when I had a child, my childcare costs would be high. But I think the thing that really baffles me is where that money goes. The people that are actually looking after my daughter, the nursery workers, um, who are fabulous, they're not highly paid individuals. So I pay out all this money and I just wonder where it goes. We're going to be speaking to someone later who can hopefully shed a bit of light on that. I had two kids under two for a while and uh, I hear you when you talk about costs and uh, and yeah, even in the north, you know, it was a second mortgage and I was absolutely delighted when uh, mine got to school because it just decreased the amount that I was paying. Um, we're going to hear from a number of mums about their experiences and concerns. We'll also be talking about ways to make sure that you are claiming what you're entitled to in terms of free childcare that Laura was just talking about. And also don't think that it just applies to kids under school age. Um, as regular listeners will know, I've got two teenage daughters now at high school and we've just had a reminder from the school that some parents are entitled to support with the help of holiday care. So, you know, things like activity clubs, wraparound care, and also term time, you know, that wraparound care, and also activities like sports, drama, and even music tuition. Yeah, and with prices skyrocketing, we're expecting to see the highest prices for childcare on record this summer. And I think when I kind of chat among my friends, I think every single one of them has seen an increase, even if it's only small, in their childcare costs recently. And that's because that cost of living crunch is being passed on to businesses as well. So if we think about nurseries, they have to heat the building in winter and their energy costs will have gone up. They have to provide food for children and those costs will have gone up. And also the minimum wage went up, which will also have affected nurseries. Um, in fact, one of my friend's nurseries has adopted what I think is a very strange policy, kind of like surge pricing for nurseries, where so nurseries are very popular on certain days and not so popular on others. So for example, Fridays, pretty quiet at nurseries because lots of people that work part time tend to have Fridays off. So her nursery has decided to implement different charges per day, depending on how popular the nursery is that day. So and I'll caveat these prices with the fact that she lives in an expensive area of London. But for Fridays, you can now get a day's nursery for the bargain price of £100 a day. But if you want to put your child in on a Wednesday, it's £120 a day. Um, it's a bizarre system, but I think it just highlights how nurseries are trying to manage those rising costs and work out different ways of, of passing that on, covering their costs and still making a profit. Yeah, manage rising costs and also falling demand because so many mummers that I know that have kids of, of school age 
are now able to work in a hybrid way. So, you know, whereas pre-pandemic they were taking three days of childcare, now they're getting away with just one or two. And I would imagine that that is something which is happening with a lot of people. So we are going to get the lowdown from nursery care providers about why so many are going out of business and why they're calling for a complete overhaul of the childcare system. But first, let's hear from some mums about their childcare costs and how they juggle them. So we caught up with Stacey, Tess, Kathy, and Laura to ask about their childcare costs. Hi, um, my childcare costs, um, which is for two children who are in a mixture of childminder and preschool, um, is between £1,500 and £1,900 a month, depending on how long the month is. Um, We use the free 15 hours of childcare a week which helps to alleviate some of that cost, but that cost is after that reduction. Um, in terms of how we afford it, because it represents a very, very large part of my um, employment income, um, I work part-time and my parents help out as well. So we do a mixture of paid childcare, grandparent care, and me caring as well. Um, and that's the only way we can make it work. The boys will start school soon um, and that will be a massive financial relief for our family. Thinking back when my three were younger. So at one stage I had three children under the age of three. Um, The twins were 18 months when I fell pregnant and I had my son. So when the girls got into preschool so they got a funded um, two and a half hours of daycare and when I inquired then to their private day nursery about picking them up from the nursery um, and the costs that were going to be involved in that and them staying in the nursery so for four days with the three children being at a private day nursery and also pickups on those four days um, from the funded preschool place. The cost was going to be in excess of £2,000 per month. And at that stage we were getting childcare vouchers. So you were allowed to Um, Each parent was allowed to purchase £3,600 per year in childcare vouchers. So we were always writing a a top-up cheque for the payment. But for the cost being in excess of £2,000, and we were meant to be, in fact, saving money because the children were having, the two girls were having a funded preschool. So we came to the decision to inquire about an au pair. Hi, I'm Stacey and I'm a mum of two. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old and both of them go to nursery for three days each. The total of that obviously varies each month depending on the length of the month, but it's usually anywhere between 1400 and £1,500 a month. As of September, 
Um, my eldest will have the 33 hours, so that will be reduced. However, it won't be significant because you still have to pay then the full cost outside of term time. In terms of balancing, I have one day off on a Thursday to have my children and then my parents alternate Fridays to have them as well. And as a teacher, I'm fortunate that I get the holidays with them so I don't have to worry about additional childcare at the moment. But when I do, um, I'm not quite sure how I'll afford it. Hi, I'm Laura and my childcare costs are zero because I gave up work as it was just too expensive to try and work and have two children in full-time childcare. So Stacey, Tess, Kathy, and Laura there. Um, let's talk about free stuff, what people are entitled to and how they go about claiming it. And we're going to start with those free hours that all children are entitled to. And I'm gonna look specifically at England. Do check what are the differences in schemes if you are in Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. So all three and four year old children can get 15 hours of free childcare or early education for 38 weeks of the year. So that's a total of 570 hours. For working families, the number of hours increases to 30 hours a week, again, over 38 weeks. Now, some providers will let you stretch that over the full year, so using fewer hours a week, but it is really important. This just covers care. So don't be surprised if you get a bill, you know, for things like meals, nappies, you're going to have to pay towards the cost of those. Yeah, so those free hours are helpful, but I've had quite a few friends who have thought that it was going to make a dramatic difference to their childcare costs. But once you take into account all of the top ups that nurseries um, add on top, so things like food, nappies, activities, um, they've found that it's actually not saved them as much as they thought. Um, but that's the help available to most families. What about those on low incomes? Presumably they can access a bit more support. Yeah, let's touch briefly on the extra options available for families on some kind of benefit. So some families might be able to get 15 hours of free childcare when their children are from the age of two. So that is people on income support, income based job seekers and employment support allowances, etc. A full list of criteria can be found on the gov.uk website. Working families claiming universal credit, ones who aren't getting tax-free childcare, and Laura's going to touch on that in a minute, well, they can get up to 85% of eligible childcare costs for children under the age of 17. That's where all those summer clubs come in. That is called universal credit for childcare. Existing tax credit customers can get tax credits for childcare in much the same way. There are some differences, but that option is closed now to new applications for most people. But there is help, so do make sure that you are claiming what you're entitled to, because that really brings us neatly onto the government's flagship tax-free childcare scheme, Laura. Yeah, so this scheme is actually pretty good, but it's really underclaimed by people. So the government itself estimates that there's about 800,000 families in the UK that could be claiming this that aren't. Um, and we estimate that that means that there's about £3 billion a year 
worth of funding that the government is willing to hand out that just isn't being claimed by families. Um, But let me talk through a bit about how it works. So this is where you pay money into an account, a childcare account. And for every £8 that parents put in, the government will top that up by £2. Um, There's a limit, obviously, you can get £2,000 a year of government funding. It's actually broken down as £500 per quarter. Um, But that's a big boost. And that's per child as well, rather than per family. So if you've got two children, you could get up to £4,000 a year off your childcare costs. Um, So who is eligible? It's the same criteria for the 30 hours free that Danny was talking about as well. Both partners have to be working um, or you can be on things like paternity leave, maternity leave or sick leave. Um, And if you're not working, some people on certain disability benefits might be eligible, but you'd need to check that out. Um, And you need to work a certain number of hours a week. Uh, So it roughly works out at about 16 hours a week at national minimum wage level. So if you only work a few hours a week, you would not be eligible for tax-free childcare. Um, So you just need to check that out and make sure that your both partners are earning um, sufficient to get it. There's also an upper cap. So if either you or your partner earn more than £100,000 a year, then you also wouldn't be eligible. But there is, it's worth flagging here, um, the figure that the government takes into account is your salary after any pension contributions you've made. So if you've just tipped over that £100,000 a year, um, for example, if you earn £105,000 a year, but you put £5,000 a year into your pension, that would bring you back under the threshold and mean that you were eligible. So if you're kind of around that mark, it's definitely worth looking at that to see whether you might be eligible. And this scheme followed on from the childcare voucher scheme, which I was able to use when my children were younger, and it did save me a lot of money. It sounds like that scheme was slightly easier to use, and I was also able to use it when they were at school, and it paid for tuition that they needed when they were doing their SAT. So I know that you have used this new tax-free childcare you vented before it's not the easiest system to use it isn't and I always go into this thinking I'm someone who works in finance and is digitally savvy and so if I've struggled to use it I can only imagine what people who don't have to use a computer and spreadsheets and deal with financial stuff every day for their work must find it so Yeah, it's got some issues. And actually, there was a recent report um, that was commissioned by the government looking at how to make the system better and encourage uptake of it, because the government seems to acknowledge that it's a good system, but so many people aren't using that that could. And I think some of the issues that the report identified completely tally with what I found. So you have to reconfirm your details every three months to make sure that you're still eligible. Um, If you don't reconfirm, then you don't get the money. So that means that you have to actually... Um, it's a process of ticking a few boxes, but it means you have to remember to do that. Um, you also are restricted to that. It's a £500 top up per quarter rather than £2,000 across the year. So if you have sporadic childcare, say you use it more in the summer holidays, for example, you need to work out how to get the most of that and be able to get that full £2,000 if you need it. Um, for me, I had to work out how much I had to pay in each month Um, to then be able to pay out the right amount to my nursery. Also, I don't know if this is just an issue with me, but it won't accept any direct debits from or standing orders from my bank account. So each month I have to manually transfer the money rather than it just being automated. Um, 
there's a lot of issues and these the government report flagged all of these and suggested lots of practical solutions that would help um, uptake of it. But so far, the government has not um, adopted any of those. But we, we live in hope. <laughs> That seems crazy because I used to, it was once a year when um, my work's um, benefits package came around and you literally had to to tick the box to sign up and set the amount. You could change the amount whenever you wanted, but and then that would sit in there and that would sit in your account and you could use it whenever. And in fact, some of the childcare that I'd paid in and sat in my account when they were teeny tiny, I was then able to use when they were sort of nine years old. And I, it, it was just sat there. I mean, you couldn't get it and spend it on anything else. So once it's in there, it's in there. You've got to think about that. But it does seem that this scheme is <laughs> a little complicated to use, not user-friendly. <laughs> Um, yes, it's probably worth touching on child benefit too while we're talking about government support because that is also chronically underclaimed. It is not explicitly for childcare, but lots of families will be eligible and aren't claiming it. Give us a quick lowdown. Yeah, so there's a different criteria for child benefit, which I think is what makes the system a bit more complicated as well. So um, you, unlike the, the previous childcare specific schemes that we've talked about, um, you don't need to both be earning to claim child benefit. Um, so if one of you isn't earning and the other is in work, then you can still claim it. Um, there is the high, the so-called high income charge, which I think is what catches a lot of people out. And it means that if you earn over £50,000 a year or more, you start to lose a bit of your child benefit all the way up to when you earn £60,000 a year when you don't get any of it. So it's really for people where um, you have one non-earner and one earning under £50,000, or you're both in work and earning under £50,000, um, and you can claim it's a slightly higher amount for your first child and then a smaller amount for your second child, and then you don't get any um, additional amounts for any third, fourth, fifth children that you have. Um, so it's not explicitly for childcare costs, but it is also really underclaimed, I think partly because of that slightly complicated system. Also, people aren't really aware of how to claim it, but um, if you think that you might be eligible and you're not claiming it, I would encourage you to go to the gov.uk website um, and search for child benefit in there and, and work out how to apply. All of it is now online, and so it is a much easier process to apply for a lot of these things than it would have been before. I got caught out when I started earning above the threshold and suddenly, you know, there's a taper, but you're still getting the amount into your bank account every month. But then you've got to do your tax return and then the taxman takes it back that way. And that can be off-putting for some people, but it is money that you're entitled to. Now, just talking about the the tax-free scheme that you were talking about, the tax-free childcare, um, we were saying how unwieldy it was. And the government does say that it's aware of the difficulties and has launched a campaign to encourage greater take up of the scheme and also that universal credit childcare offer. They're also consulting on ways to bring down the cost of childcare by lowering the number of children nursery staff can look after. So five two-year-olds instead of the four that they are currently allowed to look after. The government says it could reduce costs by up to 15% a week or £40 a week for a family paying £265 a week for a two-year-old. But nursery providers say it won't make any meaningful difference. And they say that the only way to bring down the cost of childcare and prevent future nurseries from, from calling time is for the government 
to pay the full rate for the places that they currently fund for under fives. There's been an awful lot of, of discussion about this, a lot of headlines about this. Um, research carried out by the Early Years Alliance found that 86% of early years providers said that the funding that they got for the government for these hours, these places, just didn't cover the cost of delivering the childcare places. So, you know, they're then having to make it up some other way by charging people who are paying for, you know, their own childcare hours. I've been talking to Panima Tunuku, the chief executive of the National Day Nursery Association, about what her members think about the current state of early years care in the UK. Panima, first of all, just explain to people who might not know, what is the NDNA? We are a, a charity um, representing all earlier settings and day nurseries across UK, and we operate internationally as well. We're the only childcare organisation representing in all nations within UK and internationally. So this, we've been hearing from a, a lot of mums um, who are obviously paying a lot for their childcare and sometimes it's a massive proportion of their income. Why does childcare cost so much? I think the answer is very simple here. Um, the government funded childcare does not cover the full cost of that high quality childcare delivery for earliest providers. So there is a shortfall in what the government pays to providers to deliver that high quality care and what it actually costs earliest uh, uh, nurseries and earliest providers to deliver that. And that has been the case for quite a long time. So the chronic underfunding by the government is the simple answer, unfortunately. So how much approximately does it cost a, a childcare provider per hour to look after our kids? It varies really, varies not only across the country, depending on where the uh, childcare providers are based, and also varies on the, on the size and the shape of the setting. For example, a small playgroup in a church hall, their costs are very different to a, a very big nursery with outdoor facilities and for school facilities, and lots of area and space for them to grow and develop. So that cost base changes very much depending on the number of children that they have and the amount of space that have and where they're actually based. So a lot of factors play into that. And when you're talking about numbers of children, that's something that the government have been talking about changing. So increasing the number of children that one nursery practitioner can look after. The argument is that that will bring the price down for parents what do you think about that? It certainly won't, but I think that's the misnorm that actually that by having, uh, you know, uh, more children to be looked after by, you know, a, a one single member of staff does not actually cut costs whatsoever. And this is what we've been saying to the government all along. And especially at a time when the staff are really stressed because they've been through COVID and still going through and they have to put in place some really uh, kind of, you know, 
immediate measures for health and safety and well-being of these children. And they've been looking after these children since COVID began because the earlier settings have been open for uh, key workers' children. And they have been through a lot. And particularly from a sustainability point of view, the number of children attending nurseries is still nowhere near to pre-COVID. So because now parents are working more flexibly and parents are working from home. So it's more of a sessional childcare rather than a full day childcare in many settings. So there's a lot of changes since COVID happened. And of course, all that stress for practitioners means we need to be supporting them more, not asking them to do more for less. So potentially, I guess that if there's less demand and you know, it, it really sounds like there's a quite a bit of rebalancing going on. Potentially, there could be a, a lot of these um, nurseries that close. They have. There have been a lot of closures. And not only since COVID, but even pre-COVID, we have been monitoring the closure of nurseries since the 30-hour policy started. And like I said before, the government funding, the government are the biggest purchaser of childcare in this country. So on average, earlier settings, their kind of income is reliant on more than 60% of that funding comes from government-funded childcare. And if you can imagine for a business, if that doesn't cover their costs, they will have to recover those losses from somewhere else. And that could only come from parents. So that is the challenge we have. And a combination of the, the stresses that they've gone through as a businesses, and of course, all the increased costs for businesses, for example, the national living wage, the minimum wage increases, national insurance contributions. On top of that, inflation running at 10%. So all this means that already the sector is actually on their knees in terms of uh, trying to cover their costs and be sustainable. And this kind of almost added even increased pressure to them because nobody expected the inflation to be running at 10%. Nobody expected the energy cost to be going up like this. So all that means the businesses are struggling. And, and one of the things that during COVID, uh, the then chancellor, Rishi Sunak, um, allowed business rates relief to all businesses. And of course, earliest businesses weren't included in that. And we lobbied the government quite heavily to make sure earliest and childcare provider businesses are also eligible for that business rate relief. So that came as a uh, kind of a second stage, really. But then during the spending review, the Chancellor continued with that business rate relief to all the other businesses, but not child childcare businesses. Because on average, childcare businesses were saving £12,500 they would have saved if that business rate relief continued. So that's an, another added cost that they could have really uh, sort of, you know, hoped to help that get that support from the Chancellor, but that didn't happen. So combination of these increases means that earliest providers are having to put up their fee. And the last survey we carried out, the fees have gone up between 4 to 6%. And even that still does not cover the levels of business cost increases that we've seen, let alone inflation running at 10%. So when you talk about costs not being covered, what, what proportion of costs are you talking about? And as I mentioned to you before, for the past five years, the early child childcare funding that providers receive from the government 
hasn't really increased at all in line with the cost. Even the government imposed costs like minimum wage and living wage and all the other uh, costs that they have to put in place. So as a result of that, um, nurseries and earliest providers are losing on average over £2,000 per child per year. And that's for three and four year olds. And for two year olds, they're losing over £1,700 per child per year. What that means is they'll have to make up that loss somewhere else. What that means is full fee paying parents are going to pick up that cost. So when the government talks about free childcare, it never is free, it never will be free until and unless the government fully covers the cost of that delivery. So we're going to have a new prime minister. It might be the former chancellor. It could be any one of the people that he's running against. What would you say to the people who are potentially going to be landing the top job in this country about what needs to be done to fix childcare? Because a lot of parents would think that, you know, it it feels broken because they can't afford it and it sounds broken because your members can't afford it. Absolutely. I think, you know, parents can't afford uh, the increased cost uh, any more than providers can, you know. And I think it's a dilemma both for parents because they can't afford to, to pay for childcare and for providers, they can't run a sustainable business with all these increases. So one of the things that we have said all along and we will continue to push the government for that, whoever comes into play, there is obviously a consultation out at the moment in terms of ratios. And that is the, the kind of not the, what we're looking for as a sector at this point in time because what we really need is there are several kind of you know uh, levels of uh, um, support for parents for childcare three and four year old funding and two year old funding and you've got universal credit childcare element of universal credit there are so many other things coming in parents don't even know what they're entitled to for example the tax free childcare was introduced nearly 5 years ago and 50% of the parents don't even know that they can actually claim that if both parents are working. And as a result, there is about £2.4 billion of underspend in that tax-free childcare. So there is a government campaign uh, that is going to be launched, as I think it's already launched. And what we're saying is actually, we need to bring that money back into childcare. That is one solution that we're offering because that money is, an, uh, is a real entitlement for parents towards childcare, if it's not under, if it's not spent, that needs to come back into childcare. And what one of the other things that we want to really uh, kind of you know propose and make sure that happens is the long-term strategy for uh, early childhood and education, because every penny put into uh, childcare, and we see that as an investment, not a spend, an investment in childcare saves millions of pounds later in life. And that is something that is really crucial for any new prime minister, new government that are going to be in place shortly, need to understand it's not just saying how important earliest in childcare is, but actually putting that investment in place and looking at a long-term strategy, working with the earlier sector to be able to support the sector, but equally support parents and working families and children, most importantly. Because the early years sector, they do the job because they love kids. They want to see them develop and, you know, grasp their full potential. And right now, 
at a time when you've got all these additional pressures, I would imagine that a lot of people working with children are also having to deal with those after effects from kids, you know, being at home during COVID and not seeing other children. Absolutely. During COVID, you know, um, the kind of, I mean, I would hate to use the term COVID babies, but unfortunately, that's where babies born during COVID time. Um, they're coming into nurseries with speech and language issues and they are coming with kind of, you know, behavioural issues and they're not settling in quickly, but just because they haven't actually interacted with other children during COVID, not even with their own family. And so that's really important to get these children settled in from a learning and development point of view. So staff are having to spend more time, not less, to get them settled and to engage with them and help them to learn through play and to help them to get to that level where they become confident uh, young people to go into school and, and be school ready. But that takes an awful lot of, uh, you, know, um, you know, practice professionals who are earliest educators who need to kind of start back with those building blocks to be able to get them to that level. And I think that's really where the investment should go. I know sometimes we tend to compare ourselves with other countries, but actually we're not comparing like with like here because in other countries, you know, the investment from the governments is very different and uh, the qualification levels are different and, and what parents pay is different. So the loss of differences, I think what we need to look at is actually what do we mean by government-supported childcare in this country? What is it for? How do we deliver that? And most importantly, the child should be at the centre of any government policy moving forward and the investment must follow the child. And that's really crucial. And that's what we're campaigning for. Panima, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Panima Tanuku there, Chief Executive of the National Day Nursery Association, pulling no punches there in her views on what's wrong with the sector. Now, the government does say that it's looking at ways to improve childcare choice and the availability of childcare places. And it says that it's spent £3.5 billion in each of the last three years to deliver free childcare offers. But it's clear that lots of people are still struggling. And with inflation headed towards 11% later this year, you can see why lots of parents are saying that they need more help and why there's warnings from some providers that they might have to, they might struggle to keep going. Um, the sector's also still reeling from the impact of COVID when they had to close and government figures show that one in 20 registered providers shut their doors after the pandemic. Yeah, and childcare is is vital for working parents. And I've spoken to uh, lots of parents who are really struggling just to find anybody at the moment. Um and we often talk on this podcast about the gender investment gap. Well, our research tells us that that gap often emerges when couples have families, mums, or yes, dads, but mostly mums for the most part, taking time off from their careers to look after kids because the cost of childcare is prohibitive. Like Laura said, you know, she's not working. She's just staying at home. And when you think that the average price of a full-time nursery place for a one-year-old is just over £14,000 a year, yes, the UK has some of the most expensive childcare in the world, you can understand why some mums say that it's just not cost-effective to go back to work at all. 
Now, we know that working from home or hybrid working has created opportunities for some parents, but as we've said before, and I know that you found it's not ideal, especially with very young children. Yes, definitely. The days where my daughter's been off nursery sick and I've had to try and juggle looking after her with working has been interesting, to say the least. I think she's quite disruptive to our team meetings. Um, (laughs) But that's it for this week. Uh, Next week, we're going to be sticking with a similar theme. So we're going to be talking about how to save for your children, but also that thorny issue of pocket money and just how much you should be giving them. Um, And if you haven't already, then do check out the back catalogue of Money Matters. We've got lots of different articles, but also previous podcast and vodcast episodes on a range of different topics, all the way from getting back into work after a career break to how to manage the cost of living crisis or how to have a financially successful divorce. And don't forget also to sign up to our newsletter. You will find the link on the Money Matters landing page. Just Google AJ Bell Money Matters. That way you'll be informed of upcoming podcast episodes, uh, in-person events and also special offers. So thanks a lot for listening. And if you have any questions or topics you want us to cover, then get in touch. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram at AJ Bell Money Matters, or you can email us moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.